Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Or should I say welcome back, comrades? Yes, I'm talking from California. Um, okay, we're going to talk about thyroid removals today, but also in our censored portion, and this is going to be put on tonight on Facebook and YouTube. I, I don't know if they're going to let us get away with this, but this is huge. Okay, Gert Vanderbosch. Now, G-E-E-R-T, Vanden, V-A-N-D-E-N, Bosch, B-O-S-S-C-H-E. Okay, this guy, you have got to look at his interview. I'm going to put it up. But he has an open letter to the World Health Organization and to a number of different scientists to immediately halt all COVID-19 mass vaccines. Uh, I encourage you to watch this because if you know friends or family that are going for this experimental procedure, um, they, it, it is dangerous. And this guy is the head guy of um, vaccine development, vaccine research, vaccine technology. And we're going to have his PowerPoint tonight so you can detail out some of the, um, some of the effects of this experimental vaccine or this experimental medical procedure. Uh, Do not get that shot until you see this, until you do research. Don't just have that normalcy bias of where the doctor knows best. He might not. Now, all this stuff will be put on our site at the Dr. B VIP site. That's going to be the, the easiest way to watch our entire show. And just go to Dr. B VIP. It's 29 bucks a year or 2 bucks a month. So get, get in there. Also, this is going to be eventually put on Extreme Health Academy. So that way it won't be interrupted. Because until then, we have part of it on YouTube, part of it on um, the private site. Uh, now, this Gert Vanderbosch, um, we're talking, he was um, clinical researcher and, and director in GlaxoSmithKline, Novartis, um, worked with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. He coordinated the Ebola v- vaccine program. He is board certified in virology and microbiology with over 30 publications, the inventor of a patent application for universal vaccines. And he currently works as an independent vaccine research consultant. This guy is pro-vaccine, pro-vaccine. Okay, and um, he's saying uh, halt it immediately. And we're going to cover th- some of that today. But first off, let's talk about the thyroid. Okay, now it, we, yesterday we or last week we talked about what the thyroid is, where it is, and what problems develop. Well, what happens if you have it removed? Well, some of the things when you have it removed, we got to talk about the parathyroid gland as well. Now, the thyroid gland is um, right located at the bottom of your throat. Embedded in there are four little glands called the parathyroid hormone. Now, they help regulate calcium and phosphorus. And if you if those don't work correctly, or if they do a thyroidectomy, you're going to have problems. And we're talking of low calcium. And this is why people that have had the thyroidectomy um, have irregular heartbeat, muscle cramps, spasms. I mean, there's a bunch of things that can go on. And so when they remove the thyroid, there's also a problem with the parathyroid. If they do radiation, the parathyroid can also be negatively affected. 
Now, uh, know that the thyroid does a lot more than just produce T3 and T4. It produces T2, T3, T4, calcitonin. It regulates metabolism, regulates body weight. It's vital for growth of children and development of children. Um, and, and you figure all growth factors, skeletal tissue, red blood cells, nerve growth, uh, epidermal skin growth, in pregnant women, thyroid production is involved in prolactin, and that's a hormone for milk production. So does that mean that if you're in a chronic stress state, that you might have trouble with milk letdown? Absolutely. Now, what are the kind of things interfere with, with thyroid hormones? Well, uh, insulin and cortisol. So, so you've got to look at... Um, look at all the other stressors that your body might be in. Now, thyroidectomy. Thyroids are removed most commonly, the most common is thyroid cancer. So why would that be? Well, what causes that to mutate? Could it be from a toxic or deficient environment? Absolutely. And one of the things, when you, especially when you're talking about thyroid, is the thyroid burns iodine like a car burns gas. So if you are deficient in iodine or if you've had a toxic environmental exposure, like let's say you're on the West Coast, let's say nobody has done anything about Fukushima, which happened a few years ago. So there's radioactive isotopes in the air around everyone, okay, in the Northern Hemisphere. We know that. Okay, now the, here's the challenge. If you're iodine deficient, your body's going to utilize that radioactive iodine to make whatever it can. And so that's where you can have some problems. So thyroid cancer, you're going to see on the rise. Now, non-cancerous enlargement is a goiter. And then again, that's from deficiency or toxicity. So when we look at this, and, and some... People, they'll remove, like if it's just slightly hyperactive, they'll remove part of the thyroid. A total thyroidectomy is when they're removing both parts. And they can even, um, the problem with removing the thyroid, there's a couple of couple of things that can go wrong. One, I mean, bleeding, infection, but there's also the recurrent laryngeal nerve. So this is how you speak. And then... If you're removing the thyroid gland, you're also removing the parathyroid. And that can cause uh, low calcium, blood calcium levels. It can cause thinning of the bone. It can cause a, a thyrotoxic storm. So there's a lot of complications. I mean, according to the Journal of General Internal Medicine, uh, chronic hypoparathyroidism is serious and potentially debilitating disorder. Um, that, that results from the uh, most common is the thyroid removal. Now, the pers persistent postoperative hyperthyroidism usually results from internal or inadvertent um, removal of the parathyroid gland during a thyroidectomy. And then also from the interruption of blood supply to the glands and possibly subsequent infarction. Now, when we look at, the, again, the Journal of General Internal Medicine, when you've had the thyroid removed, uh, there's a lot of signs and symptoms, such as low blood calcium levels, um, numbness and tingling, muscle cramping, 
uh, laryngeal stridor, convulsions. And, and some of these can actually prove, um, prove, prove fatal. Premature con, uh, cataract development, uh, so recurrent seizures, psychiatric uh, symptoms. And so when you're removing that thyroid gland, there's a lot of things that can happen. One of them is the hypothyroid. Now, it's interesting because when you look at this, should thyroidectomies be done? Now, the risk of serious complications, you're talking over 100 years ago, the, um, the, the surgeon wrote, quote, if a surgeon should be so foolhardy as to undertake a thyroidectomy, luckily he will be if his victim lives long enough to enable him to finish his horrid butchery. Uh, you know, that it's, that's pretty, pretty tough. They go on to state that nevertheless the internist sh should continue to refer patients for thyroidectomy with some unease and caution because the risk of permanent hypoparathyroidism and paralysis of the recurrent and superior laryngeal nerves. Uh, interesting. When then the article goes on to state, quote, with the advent of improved surgical technique and effective preoperative medical procedure for hyperthyroidism, concerned for development of potentially fatal thyrotoxic storm um, has abated. <laughs> yeah, it's not without risks. We can look at the Canadian Journal of Surgery. Um, quote, historically the risk of associated with major surgery to treat thyroid disease and the problems of adequate hormonal replacement deterred surgeons from performing total thyroidectomies. Although the procedure remains controversial, it is increasingly being performed. Isn't that interesting? I mean, they can do radioactive uh, iodine therapy, and this is used to destroy part of the thyroid. Uh, the problem is the radiation, it can destroy the thyroid gland and any other thyroid cells that uptake iodine. Now, if you do the radiation therapy, your body's going to give off radiation for some time. So they'll tell you to, you know, you might need to stay in the hospital for a few days, stay in an isolation room. Once you're allowed to go home, uh, you've got to protect others around you from radiation. And I know what you're thinking. Doesn't that sound safe? Now, again, this is from the American Cancer Society. Men, quote, men who receive large total doses because of many treatments of the radiation may have lower sperm counts or become infertile. Radiation may also affect women's ovaries, and some women may have irregular periods for up to a year after the thyroid treatment. Many doctors recommend that women avoid becoming pregnant for at least six months to a year after the treatment. And both, both women and men who've had the radiation pellets um, have an increased risk of developing leukemia in the future. Now, that after you've had a thyroidectomy, your body can take longer to heal because it, takes, it can no longer make thyroid hormone. So medications are essential. The, the, here's the problem. The challenges of thyroid hormone therapy, um, it, it's um, patients following thyroidectomy for like thyroid cancer. Uh, it should be a relatively straightforward clinical problem to solve. The problem is the thyroid is absent and hormone levels are going to be low. 
the prescription the physicians typically prescribe a low dose of levothyroxine um, with what the body would otherwise manufacture and then that should resolve the problem the problem is though nevertheless um, a simple clinical intervention as it seems most of the common dissatisfaction with these athyretic patients that you know that means without the thyroid is the perception that the low dose that the dose of thyroid hormone is incorrect resulting in lethargy weight gain brain fog some patients feel less well after the thyroidectomy or after the radiation ablation than they did before the diagnosis and in fact the initiation of hormone therapy isn't always a simple matter. Uh, figure hormone replacement is either begun or continued by physicians from multiple specialties. Now, the high levels of thyroid hormone can lead to problems like an irregular heartbeat, rapid heart, and over the long run, high doses of thyroid hormone can lead to weak bones or osteoporosis. Now, there's two basic types of uh, thyroid hormones, synthetic and natural. Now, synthetic, like Synthroid, okay, contains thyroxine, which is also called T4. Uh, now, you know, this also goes by um, levoxothyrene, Urolax, uh, L-thyroxine. There's a number of different, different names for it, but it's all the same product. Now, Nature's Throid, okay, is um, a naturally occurring thyroid. It's literally ground up or desiccated pig thyroid glands. And this contains the full spectrum of what the thyroid does. Now, if you've had your thyroid removed, the T4 or the levoxothyrene or synthroid is not going to do it for you. You need the T4, T3, T2, T1, calcitonin. You need everything that thyroid produces. And that's where you get Nature's thyroid, arbothyroid, or West thyroid. Now, it's interesting. Here's a, a journal called Thyroid Science. And um, here, let me quote. In contrast to natural desiccated thyroid containing T3 and T4, most synthetic medications contain only T3 or only T4. In reality, many patients don't start to feel normal again until they switch from synthetic to the naturally desiccated thyroid. Now, the naturally desiccated thyroid hormone replacements have been used since the late 1800s, and it's one of the safest drugs out there. It contains a full spectrum of the thyroid hormones, such as T4, T3, T2, T1 as well. Now, the problem with Synthroid, okay, uh, is it's the inability to convert T4 to T3. Now, Synthroid contains T4, which has to be converted to three, T3 for it to work. Now, this conversion is done by, it's called D-iodinase, an enzyme. Now, this enzyme, if it's deficient or not working, many patients have the inability to convert it. So it's not that you're taking it. T4 is, is really common. It's that you're not able to convert it to T3. So if you've had your thyroid removed, you absolutely have to um, get the entire thyroid, the nature's thyroid or the armor thyroid. Now, problems with Synthroid, you might think, what's the deal? Well, in April uh, in 2011, the British Medical Journal, they found out that elderly women who were on Synthroid had an increase of fracture rates. 
and they go on to state, our findings provide evidence that levoxathyrine treatment may increase the risk of fragility fractures in older people, even with conventional doses. Now, why would levoxathyrine cause fractures? Well, the thyroid makes calcitonin, a hormone manufactured um, by the thyroid tissue. Now, calcitonin is involved in calcium metabolism, bone maintenance, and it prevents osteoporosis. T4-only medication does not contain calcitonin, so it's associated with bone loss and increased fractures. Now, the naturally desiccated thyroid does contain calcitonin, which helps the bone production. Now, think of this. So there's a lot of things that you can do with the thyroid other than remove it. But from 1996 to 2006, so we're talking 10 years, you're looking at nearly a 40% increase in surgeries. You went from 66,000 to 92,000. I don't have the current studies um, now. I've been, been doing a little bit of research on uh, the COVID stuff. So it, it's interesting. This cost of surgeries went from 460 million to 1.4 billion. Okay, and that's that's 2006 numbers. So we know it's higher than that. But the drug, Synthroid, you're talking back in 2000, 20 years ago, uh, about 13 million people are on the drug. It's you know 400 million a year. That's pretty good. So what should you do after a thyroidectomy? Number one. Get a clear diet such as broth, apple juice, or plain gelatin. Um, soft swallowing foods, that's going to be the next stage, such as smoothies, soup, ice, yogurt, cottage cheese, oatmeal, soft-cooked eggs. So soft stuff because you're going to be swallowing around a very, very tender area. Then you've got to change your lifestyle. Now, after a thyroidectomy, um, you're talking 40 to 60% of your diet should be fruits and vegetables. Lean, um, protein-rich plants, meats, uh, about 30% um, should be healthy fats, low sugar, low grains, mainly raw and organic. You've got to avoid packaged and processed foods, avoid non-organic foods, GMO foods, and goitrogenic foods. That Those are going to be like cruciferous vegetables. Unless the cruciferous vegetables... Um, have have been broken down. Uh, so like goitrogenic food, and this is like cruciferous vegetables, and soy isoflavines. Um, so when you look at the package, if you see soy, you want to avoid it like crazy unless it's been fermented. Now these chemicals uh, interfere with thyroid hormones. They can negatively affect your uh, supplemental thyroid hormones as well. Now, goitrogenic, this means that it swells up the thyroid, and vegetables can be activated by heating. So cruciferous vegetables are really, really good for you. Just don't eat them um, raw if you have a thyroid issue. Now, life after a thyroidectomy. Strength training exercises are especially important without a thyroid. Beating lean muscle mass will help burn calories. The greater your, your rate of muscle to fat, the higher your metabolism. Now, uh, nutrients after thyroid, uh, B12, vitamin D, calcitonin, vitamin C, vitamin A, super important. Now, B12 is found in almost every cell of the body. It's required for cellular metabolism, energy production. However, people without a thyroid 
might have low levels of B12. And underactive thyroid impairs the body's ability to absorb B12. So where do you get B12? Well, beef liver. Okay, and again, it's got to be organic, healthy animal. Sardines, um, tuna, raw cottage cheese, um, raw cheese, lamb, raw eggs, milk, salmon, loaded with B12, loaded with B12. Now, vitamin D and calcium, uh, it's, you've got to figure, vitamin D deficiency is associated with all thyroid disorders. Now, vitamin D helps regulate insulin, balances blood sugar, affects the thyroid physiology, amazing. Um, and supplementing with calcium and vitamin D can prevent um, a lot of the symptoms. Now, getting optimal vitamin D levels. We're coming into summertime, and hopefully the powers that be will allow the beaches and gyms to be open, and particularly the beaches and parks and hiking. I, if 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 you had any idea that the government is completely insane, um, they they close the gyms, close the beaches, and everything for a virus. I mean that's insane. So get your butt outside if you're in an area that has good sun, because uh, half our planet is going into summer, half our planet is going into winter. Vitamin D and K2 are huge, and good sources of calcium are kale sardines with the bones in there, yogurt or kefir, broccoli, watercress, bok choy, almonds, great source of calcium. Now, vitamin C deficiency has been linked to all thyroid disorders resulting in adrenal fatigue. That's why it's hugely important to um, have regular vitamin C in high concentrations. Vitamin C deficiency, along with chronic stress, lead to adrenal fatigue, thyroid dysfunction, so hugely important. And again, look at the natural sources. Uh, oranges, peppers, kale, I mean, you know, basically plant-based diet. And vitamin A, poor vitamin uh, thyroid function can cause vitamin A deficiency, and this can result in an underactive thyroid. So let's say that you're, you're, um, you have relatives that have thyroid issue. Could they have had vitamin A deficiency or decreased vitamin D or decreased vitamin C? Absolutely. And in fact, vitamin A deficiency limits the body's ability to produce thyroid-stimulating hormone, and and particularly after a partial thyroidectomy. Uh, Where are the sources of vitamin A? Again, beef liver, carrots, sweet potatoes, kale. I mean, just let food be your medicine and medicine be your food. Uh, now, um, we're going to cover all of this stuff tonight. Uh, now we're going to get into um, the censored part. Now, I, I just got to tell you, at a Medscape, just March 11th, so a few days ago, Journal of the American Medi- Medical Association, the editor, um, a deputy editor, had to resign over a podcast. Now, what was he talking about? What was so horrific? He had a podcast over, quote, structural racism for doctors. What is it? And um, uh, what he said, and this is one run by um, Edward Livingston, who's deputy editor. Um, listen, Listen to this quote. Structural racism is an unfortunate term. Personally, I think taking racism out of the conversation will help. Many of us are offended by the concept that we are racist. 
That was his comment. Okay, and in that, okay, in, in our hypersensitive uh, arena we call America, okay, they, <laughs> the people ripped him apart. They called it inaccurate, offensive, hurtful, inconsistent with the standards of the Journal of the American Medical Association. Listen to that. Structural racism is an unfortunate term. Personally, I think taking racism out of the conversation will help. Many of us are offended by the concept that we are racist. And what they say in the actual article is Livingston, who is white. What the heck does that matter? Okay, I, it's, it's just stop being hypersensitive, okay? Just live and let live. I, I disagree with what you say, but I'll f defend to my own death your right to say it. When were, were, were men men, and now the conversation is changing, realize that this is part of the destruction of our society. You will not go back to normal until you understand that normal is, is achieved. You can't, it's not going to happen by accident. When the government has taken away your freedoms, you cannot get them back. Um, they, they, you have to take them back. They will not be given back. So now let's get into the Gert Vanderbosch. Okay, I encourage you to watch the YouTube um, on it, but also you can go to uh, dryberg.com, okay, slash Gert Vandenbosch. Now this is, they have a copy of the letter, and I encourage you to read this letter from Gert Vandenbosch. Now it's um, dryburgh.com. Okay, and it's the open letter to the World Health Organization to immediately halt COVID mass vaccines. Now, the reason is, and this is, I'm, I'm going to read it as, as fast as I can, and just the highlights. Um, quote, to all authority scientists around the world to whom this concerns, the entire world population, I am all but an anti-vaxxer. As a scientist, I do not usually appeal to any platforms of this kind to make a stand on vaccine-related topics. As a dedicated virologist and vaccine expert, I make an exception when health authorities allow vaccines to be administered in ways that threaten public health, most certainly when scientific evidence is being ignored. As the unprecedented extent of the human intervention of the COVID-19 pandemic is now at risk of resulting in global catastrophe without equal, this call cannot sound loudly and strongly enough. However, this type of prophylactic vaccines are completely inappropriate and even highly dangerous when used in a mass vaccination campaign during a viral epidemic. Vaccination, vaccinologists, scientists, and clinicians are blinded by the positive short-term effects in individuals, but don't seem to bother about the disastrous consequences for global health. Unless I am scientifically proven the wrong, which it is difficult to understand how current human interventions will prevent circulating variants from turning into a wild monster. Um, this is why I decided to already post a summary of my findings, as well as my keynote speech in the Vaccine Summit. I'm, I'm going to have his keynote speak, and, and I'm going to translate it as best I can. Some, he gets into antibody response, which is... Um, it can get kind of complicated, but I'm going to present and show that data. And luckily, he put, please copy, please distribute. And, you know, so he wants this information out there. 
Okay, let me go on to read some more about him. Quote, Last Monday, I provided um, international health organizations, including the World Health Organization, with my analysis of the current pandemic has based on scientifically informed insights in the immunobiology of COVID-19. Given the level of emergency, I urge them to consider my concern and initiate a debate on the detrimental consequences of further viral immune system escape. Okay, I'm going to read just this last part because I only have one minute left. Quote, unfortunately, it remains untouched by those who have the power to act. How long can one ignore the problem where there is a present massive evidence that viral immune escape is now threatening humanity? How can we hardly say we didn't know or were not warned? In this agonizing letter, I put all of my reputation and credibility at stake. I expect from you, the guardians of mankind, at least the same. It is of utmost urgency. Do open the debate. By all means, turn the tide. So that is, um, we, we have to turn the tide. And I'm going to go on to, to explain a little bit more about this. He goes on to talk about, um, what is it, asymptomatic asymptomatic characters, or, uh, carriers. He calls them natural asymptomatic carrier, carriers. And this is the 90% of the population of the planet that, if infected, uh, recover with little to no symptoms. That's right. It's not killing half of the population or a third or 10% or even 1%. So when you look at this, you're looking at um, a susceptible population that's unique that we can protect and the majority of us are not at risk. So please check this out, share that video, share this information. Let's um, uh, save our planet and save our people because if this goes on, we're going to have some big, big time challenges. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you. I love you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.